Ooh, a whole minute late. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of UGA Sports Live. My name is Roddy DeBulsey. I'm joined by Jim, Donnan, and Dane Young. I'm here at Classic City Eats in Watkinsville, Highway 15, I think. We're, we're, we're just south of Watkinsville. Basically, if you're going up the Greensboro Highway, swing by Classic City Eats. Uh, the place is packed. Uh, the food is fantastic. The beer is cold. The music is loud. It is a uh, great place to come get a bite to eat. So when you're in uh, Watkinsville, or hell, if you're in uh, Athens, just drive on over and check them out. A uh, big shout out to everybody who's tuning in with us. We appreciate that. It means a lot to us that you would uh, jump on with us and uh, send in your questions and uh, hear what Coach Donnan has to say. I know that's why everybody's here. Uh, we thank Coach for his uh, making hero- a heroic effort to join us today. We really appreciate him doing that. Uh, Coach, I want to get right to the number one question that we've got all over the place. Uh, people have been bringing this up. Uh, this is our first show since Arch Manning kind of out of the blue decided to go to Texas and uh, kind of want to get your thoughts on it. I mean, you're a quarterback guy. You coach quarterbacks. You uh, played it. Uh, how big is this for Georgia? What, what happens now? What does Georgia do now? Yeah, first of all, I want to apologize for uh, can't get internet there in my house for some reason, so I'm outside here in the car. But uh, basically, uh, I think it's just a deal where the kid went with his heart. You know, I mean, regardless of how you uh, look at it, uh, he's never said much except he committed to, to Texas, so we don't really know. But, you know, everybody makes a decision that's different than what people think it should be, you know, all these pundits and everything, and it. Looked like everything laid out really good for Georgia, but I don't know what the, what the final word was. Uh, from my standpoint, it looked like, you know, he's just taking a situation and going with his quarterback guru who, who's really had some really good uh, quarterbacks over the years, Matt Leonard and, uh, you know, Tua and people like that. And uh, then he had Matt Jones. So uh, I just don't know I can really – say a lot of different things but i really am not an authority on why he did that but the other thing that i am an authority on is that uh, once somebody goes somewhere you can't just sit around and uh, cry in your gatorade or uh, powerade <laughs> like we use with coca-cola products but uh, <laughs> he's still the coach and, he's still got all the sponsorships <laughs> you still you still got a you know powerade really used to get mad if somebody over here said something about gatorade and uh, yeah. you know those florida had that new coach down there and uh, they had a team meeting and uh, it said that we've got 12 new cases of COVID. And then one kid said, I sure am glad I was getting tired of that Gatorade. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) that was Billy Napier. But anyhow, uh, (laughs) you shut that one up. I love it. So anyhow, here here we go. But seriously about uh, our situation, I think it's good. And, I heard Nick Saban say something about a month ago, which I think is really pretty strong, is about the uh, transfer portal. Just going to see more and more good programs, particularly the great programs, just have their pickings on that they lose a couple guys to graduation or lose a couple guys to injuries or have somebody go out early in the draft. They'll just look around the country and some of these uh, non-power teams or maybe power five teams and say, look, got a chance to come play on a championship level team and start right away uh, and really get some good NIL. So uh, the the other schools around the country, uh, you look at Houston Baptist last year, 
two years ago had a good quarterback and he transferred to Western Kentucky and threw 59 touchdown passes or and all of a sudden he gets drafted in the pros. Uh, you're going to see us look at a transfer quarterback. I think uh, it just makes sense uh, just for depth or whatever it might be after this next season. Certainly we're going to have a good room there with, that seems to be the word nowadays. The room, room, yes. It's not the. Uh, it's, it's, it's also at the end of the day. Miss right. everyone says at the end of the day and room. That's the two yeah. phrases I hear nonstop. Well, at the end of the day, we have a good quarterback room. At the beginning of the day, we got a good quarterback room. So uh, it's, it's going to be, you know, people are projecting what one of these guys might leave, but the other one is, the, you know, between Beck and Vandergriff. And then got Gunnar Stockton coming up. But uh, I'm just more excited today about talking about what my ideas are about our team and thinking about the guys that have improved the most and just see what's going on. But, you know, Arch Manning, still six months to go. He can watch Texas get the dog shit beat out of him this year and uh, see if he still wants to go there is all I can say. Coach, I know with Stetson Bennett in particular, you've you've told me on air, off air, I've heard it multiple times. You said that guy could play quarterback for me on any team that I've ever coached. Do you view the the quarterback room, the guys under him? What are you seeing from them? And I guess as a coach, like how far do you project ahead to this stuff? Yeah, I can't say that about these other guys yet because they haven't done it when the band's playing. But uh, Stetson's got a national championship ring, which a lot of quarterbacks will never have. So. Uh, but I, I do feel like b both uh, Beck and uh, Vandergriff have made quantum leaps here under uh, the system, and they really know what to do, and are very confident. And uh, Gunnar Stockton didn't get a lot of work in the spring, but he got some good meeting time. We'll just have to. I need. I need to see him more against the the defense. But uh, you know, you go get. And again, this is something that that I wouldn't think Kirby would like for me to say, but I, I feel like we're going to be in, in control of most of these games and you're going to see a, a lot of uh, second and third team guys playing in the second half. Now, I don't know that that's going to happen as much as maybe a, as in the past, but it's going to happen because right now looking at this Vegas lines, we're double digit favorite over everybody we're playing uh, going into the season, but that could change. But, and I've said this on the show before it, you know, when you think you're going to really kill somebody and it's and you're thinking about playing everybody, that's when things don't turn out like you hoped they would. And before you know it, it's a tough battle. So I'm okay with uh, with who we got. Let me read Man. a couple comments from YouTube real fast, Roddy. This is yeah. from Billy Wright. It says, hey, guys, I watch everything you put on. Love what you do. God bless and go dogs. Thanks for watching, Billy. And James Wilkerson says, I'm not worried about Arch as long as Kirby is the coach. Well, yeah, yeah, James, that was a good point there because, uh, and I think Coach bringing up the uh, uh, transfer portal is important. I, I, I noted on Twitter right after it happened because here's the insider information we were given that, you know, Arch especially woke up and said, hey, I'm going to Texas. Yeah. Called Kirby, told him that he was going to announce it. Everybody was caught off guard. Texas didn't know it was coming. Georgia didn't know it was coming. It was a surprise. So be it. Uh, but you notice – as coach says, there's six months until signing day. You still recruit him. And if uh, you, you don't burn any bridges, because what if he's in the portal in two years or something like that? It just, or you, other guys that you've recruited or, you know, hit the portal. Some of your guys made the portal. So it, it's never over. It never ends. It used to be, okay, well, you know, it'll end on signing day. 
Well, it doesn't end on signing day now, not with the transfer portal out there. So that's still a possibility. And again, not saying that you hang your hook to your hat on that, but just you've seen Kirby be able to pull some names out of the um, transfer portal of guys that he had recruited previously who for some reason or other didn't like where they were, you know, and um, he's been able to bring in some big talent who are at good schools and they decided to come play at Georgia. Georgia's made a killing off the transfer portal. So uh, never say never, but uh, I'm not they, really worried they about haven't, it. They haven't at quarterback though, Roddy. Now, and I think that's out of necessity. They haven't had to, but if yeah. you're looking at transfer quarterbacks, you're looking at Jamie Newman and we know how that turned out. Could that have been great? We'll never know. And then like early in the portal, I guess it wasn't even called the portal, but the transfer days, Grayson Lambert, you know, pretty average, solid player, but pretty yeah, average. You also got JT Daniels. The point is you brought in three talented quarterbacks. You know, you're right. You've lost a few, but he's also got two five-star freshman quarterbacks in that room. You know, it's coach likes to point out the room. So uh, with Gunnar Stockton, five-star, uh, Brock Mandigriff, redshirt freshman. So uh, you've got Carson Beck, four-star. You've got Stetson Bennett, a national championship winning QB. It's a good group, you know, and if you lose some of those guys, again, people say, well, I think people took too much of, yeah, you went all in on Arch. You didn't get him. It happens. But he's been able to pull tons of other quarterbacks to UGA, so I don't think he has a hard time recruiting quarterbacks. I think, you know, the kid woke up and decided he wanted to go elsewhere. And uh, yeah, here, I'm not going to read yeah. any more into it than that. Yeah, you, you're exactly right. And – I think it opens the door for Rayola. Uh, I think really does. Uh, he really liked Georgia. He was worried about Arch. I can understand that. And, uh, you know, he committed to Ohio State, but he's got a, another year. And uh, we really did a lot of good work on him. Uh, I felt like we were in there, in the and that kid, both he and Manning both impressed me extremely. Uh, I mean, it, it, it was very impressive when they worked out. So, there's it, just so many good quarterbacks out there. I mean, just like Especially the kid from, from Baylor that came in here last week. I mean, there's kids out there that can play, and they want to play in a winning program and have a chance to go uh, get prepared to uh, go to the league. Everybody's looking at it. These kids are a lot more advanced at an early age than it used to be. So uh, I just think our our fans and our our site and everything that we have just need to chill and understand that uh, until Kirby does something that shows that he's uh, not really thinking like he needs to, I think we just need to go with the man, go, go with the plan and see yeah, what faith, And yeah, I think faith. you made a good point there too about we were all in on Arch. I mean, so if you can't get him, then don't worry about it. Let's go and uh, play this year and then go from here on. You know, that's what we'll do. There are a ton of 2024 quarterbacks who are really good, and Georgia's at the top of the list for a bunch of them. So if you don't get uh, Arch in 2023 or you don't hit the transfer portal, you I won't say you have your pick, but Georgia's – the 2024 class is loaded. And you talk to those kids, uh, you mentioned Rayola, that they uh, they love Georgia. So And it caught some of those guys by surprise. And, uh, Todd Munkin, to his credit, has been in touch with them. So he let, he's let them know that he's got a spot open. So – I think I'm it's safe to say that Arch Manning doesn't end up at Texas if Texas is not on its way to the SEC. And so with that being the case, Texas going to the SEC, that's that's a huge commitment uh, from that program of saying we want to be the best of the best. True, hey, true, true. Hey, hey, Coach, I saw it. I know you want to talk a little, a little bit about the team, and I got some other questions for you. Uh, big shout-out to Adam, by the way, who ran into me in public and said he watches every week. So uh, shout-out to Adam for doing that. He said, What uh, aisle was it? 
uh, he was get he was getting the public sub. See, this, oh. Adam's a smart guy. He watches this show and knows where to get the best sandwich in town. So. Uh, shout out to Adam for watch the show, but he uh, he said some nice things about Coach. I won't repeat them. I don't want Coach to get a big head. Uh, oh. Coach, I noticed right before we came on the air, the ACC uh, notes basically got or they said they're getting rid of their divisions. Uh, you meant uh, Dane mentions Texas coming to the SEC. Uh, how, how likely do you think we're going to be uh, see a divisionless SEC? Yeah, I just can't see us, you know, doing anything like the ACC does unless it's basketball. Uh, <laughs> Uh, who knows? Who knows what the situation? I'm curious what you were hearing. I mean, I hadn't read that yet. I mean, uh, like I told you, I was playing tennis this morning, so I, <laughs> I really think uh, we're just gonna we're, we're waiting to see SEC wise when those two teams get cleared by the Big Twelve. You know, their financial sense. obligation, and then once they're in the league. Then, uh, or then we know where they're coming. Then you're going to probably go to a nine-game schedule, and who knows how that's going to be. But what we're going to do is try to project as many teams as we can for an eight-team playoff. I think we're going to see it at least an eight-team playoff down the road. Great. So whatever projects that the best will be the way. If it means no division, so what? But uh, you, you, you always try to com- control the uh, – rivals that you have and uh, you know all the predetermined stuff but once you go to these big power conferences i mean a lot of things change there's nothing you can do about it i mean you can't like when oklahoma nebraska left and oklahoma couldn't play nebraska anymore a lot of people didn't like it but hey that's just the way it was nebraska went to the big 10 and that was it Uh, arkansas went to the sec missouri went to the sec texas a&m went to the sec lose those rivalries Here's a comment from Facebook from uh, Denise in Statesboro. She says, Coach is spot on that George is going to be fine. We don't need to go into the portal and don't need another quarterback. Concentrate on finishing the 2023 recruitment class and finish strong. And then she says, Arch is one player, takes an offense and defense to win games. Good point. That lady's smart. I mean, she's a football junkie. She knows all about it. Although I would say we might go into the portal after the season. Uh, you know, for for a guy, we might get one for next year. I don't. We, we're not going to get one for now. Coach, how many quarterbacks do you want on your roster? Like, I mean, I know you have like walk-ons on scout team and stuff like that, but do you prefer four scholarship quarterbacks? Sure, you never know what's going to happen injury-wise. Everything, at least four, and then you got to have a couple arms there to help you with the drills and all. We got some really good guys that that come out there and just want to be on the team and throw throw balls for different drills and all. Uh, you know, when you look at all the different teams that, that have phases of practice, then you got to have balls in the air, running backs catching passes, wide receivers catching passes, DBs, corner safeties, linebackers. They do a lot of ball drills. Uh, some of these coaches are really good coaches, but they got really bad arms. I'm talking about <laughs> – I've seen some guys out there in the history of my coaching career that I promise you I'd be embarrassed – for them to throw the ball. Why are you talking about Mike Bobo like that? Do not blaspheme no, Mike Bobo, Coach. Mike Come Bobo on. can throw. I'm talking about some of these <laughs> these guys that, I mean, really pitiful. I mean, oh. just scary bad. I, and the other thing I want to coach is working the, the secondary guys. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you got to throw the ball with some velocity because the quarterback's throwing it to you like that. I mean, it went on the interception, but 
two things that I want to make sure that I don't forget, and I forgot last week, and I want to bring up the first part, and then later we'll bring up the second, is Georgia's one of seven or eight teams in the country to get an NFL grant from the uh, NFL to work on concussions through the mouthpiece uh, uh, that they've uh, instituted now. We, they got about a $200,000 grant that Ron Corson's going to have 40 mouthpieces with these um, that you can uh, put into your uh, GPS system that we, all our fans know about, that the players are monitored during practice, the speed they're running and all that. But now it's going to monitor the hits that they have through their helmets. And if oh, wow. they if they can see right away if they have a chance to have a concussion or if look at what how the, the kids responded to the concussion through the mouthpiece. You, you've, all of us have seen uh, the NFL have so many of these uh, suits where players are bringing suit against them uh, 15, 20 years after they played about some of their uh, lifetime injuries they've had through helmets and concussions. So the NFL is trying to do a good job of checking out because most of their players don't wear mouthpieces. So they got these college players checking it out. And it's really good that we're one of the teams and Ron Corson's all over it. So the, our, our first 30, 40 players will have those and wear them in practice. And just another way to monitor concussions, which are such a big part of college, high school, pro football, and uh, we're on the cutting edge of it. So very impressive that we're one of those schools. That, that is fascinating. So they basically have an impact sensor and a GPS sensor type thing in the mouthpiece. So if a kid's going 17 miles an hour and stops because he gets hit, they can kind of gauge uh, and then see how fast you're right after that, see if he's off kilt or something like that. That's that's fascinating. I love it. Yeah, and, and you can look back on – if he did have a concussion after practice and, and nobody knew about it, then you could go back and check the data and see exactly when it occurred and, and what, what, how he reacted since then. And one of the things that, you know, I was over there the other day, some of these young freshmen just starting out, they have these, uh, they take these tests and they monitor their level uh, of brain waves. And then if they have a concussion, then they compare that to their normal brain waves and they can see what it's going to take for them to get back to being normal before they let them go out on the field. So just another way to protect wow. the health and safety. And I know that Kirby um, mentioned that he was at uh, Indianapolis in April with the rules committee. And, uh, you know, they spent an inordinate amount of time on that and talking about the targeting rule about uh, applying uh, the, that you could appeal for a targeting rule to the national guy, which we talked about last week, but uh you know, safety is a big part of college football. I mean, we, we love the game. Everybody, I mean, this is why we got the show. We're talking about college football. But, uh, you know, as parents, as uh, fans, you know, we worry about the health and safety of our players. And let's face it, it's a high collision contact game now, faster and harder hitting than ever. And uh, you got to find ways to protect them. Absolutely. Uh, and the last thing I wanted to say which I was going to forget and talk about later in the show is our players schedule is our players after Wednesday are going to take off a week, not necessarily take off. They'll have them doing some workouts on their own, but uh, the coaches are off for a few weeks here and the players have a little time off for July the 4th. So they're going to have, this will be the last time they're actually off before the national championship game next year, really, basically. So they're going to have a week to go wherever they want to and then come back and start 
the summer classes and do whatever they got to do uh, or finish up. So uh, we'll have a show next week, but we our players are going to be gone here after Wednesday. So I'm sure Roddy already knew that, though. Yeah, I absolutely knew that. <laughs> Campus yeah. is, a, is a weird place during summer. Uh, people know I work at Grady College at UGA. Um, like I was walking from five points to, to the college yesterday and I had to take about three different routes because there's so much construction happening on campus. So many things are being renovated. Uh, and I bet you all of it's going to be done by August one. So that way when students come back, it's, it's full on and you know, it's going to look good, uh, when people crowd that stadium for the first home game after winning a national championship. Well, I didn't know yeah. those players were going to be off, but uh, that's why we have Coach on the show, and I didn't know that they were going to have mouthpieces with GPS sensors in them. Again, why we have Coach on the show. The reason I'm here is to push some of our sponsors and to talk about some of the folks that actually share our uh, content out there. So I appreciate all the folks that share it and hit that like button and uh, hit that subscribe button. It means a lot to me when you do that. But I want to mention two of our sponsors real quick. One of them is Athens Ford. They have been a fantastic sponsor of not only this show, but our uh, watch-along show. So we're still going to do the watch-alongs in the uh, fall, you know, when Georgia takes on Sanford. We have a story about that today. When they take on Oregon, we take on Auburn, take on Tennessee, all that stuff. Uh, you'll hear us hopefully talking about Athens Ford. So uh, when you get a chance, support the folks that support us. If you like this show, then please hit up our sponsors. It means a lot to us. And let them know that uh, you heard about them on our show. Uh, Athens Ford will take care of you. So if you're taking care of us by going to see them, they're going to take fantastic care of you. And that's one of the main reasons we have them is not only because they support us, it's because I know the folks out there and they're damn good. They take care of me. They, uh, and they don't do it because they sponsor our show. They, <laughs> hell, the guys in the uh, service department, when I went in and said, hey, I needed something taken care of, they jumped on in a heartbeat and didn't even know who I was, which is great. So point being, they take care of everybody and they take care of us. So please, when you get a chance, if you need a new vehicle, pre-owned vehicle, Swing by Athens Ford. They will take care of it for you. Also, want to mention that one of our longest sponsors has been going on back before we, I think, uh, before we had a uh, YouTube channel or anything like that. Is our friends at Europie. It's Tuesday. Hit up Europie. It's uh, double points Tuesday. If you use the app, you'll get uh, double the amount of points that you normally get, which gets you free pizza, free salad, free breadsticks. You can get that peach prosciutto pie they have out there. It's a phenomenal. Uh, Juvenile French have been supporting UGA Sports forever. I mean, hell, I met him when Georgia was going out to play Arizona State. We sat in the back of a plane. We had a few drinks. Uh, that plane ran out of liquor. We would have had more, but, you know, they didn't have any left. So point being, known Drew for a long time, and then he has been a huge Georgia fan his whole life, and he is a big supporter of the Bulldogs, and he takes care of us. So uh, please, if you need a pizza or need a great salad or you want a great sandwich, hit up our friends at your pie. Your pie is just amazing. That pizza prosciutto, I look forward to it every year. Yeah, I'm going to show you all what, we're ha what I'm having out here today. You're showing more food? Classic City Eats. We've got the fantastic sausage, pickle, jalapeno, and cheese plate. And then, of course, I have the um, uh, chicken sandwich. It's the pulled chicken sandwich with the uh, hot sauce and the cheese. It's phenomenal. So, uh, yeah, y'all don't get any because y'all aren't here. It's too bad. And you just leave that on the you can leave that on the screen. Just let people just you know, let the saliva drip down their uh, uh, face while they watch a show. It's prettier than seeing me, anyway. We'll get into a couple of questions from UGASports.com. Coach, they want to give you a shout out though, because when your internet was messing up at your house and you find a way to do it, that, that's pretty uh, spelt of you, I guess. Like uh, like like you're still a coach when something doesn't work, you find another way to do it. 
Well, just a backup plan. Uh, I don't like it. It's too dang hot in this car. But uh, And when I cut the car on, the internet in the car came on, so it knocked off this, so I can't do that. So, hey, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm just glad to be with you. So let's go. What's right. the next? I'm, I'm terrible on the uh, on stuff like that, though. I'm really – I mean, y'all don't, people don't know. I got to get Dane and Roddy over all the time to help me, but I don't mind admitting I'm just pitiful. Well, I disagree with that statement, but whatever. That's okay. Blocker57 from UGASports.com, who's one of our favorites uh, over on the dog tent, says, uh, Coach, do you have any stories dealing with, quote, helicopter parents that you could discuss? How does Kirby Smart handle those today? So, uh, over-involved parents in recruiting or coaching. We don't even have enough time for that. Uh, (laughs) It's really good. I mean, I could go chronological order, starting back to NC State all the way through North Carolina, Florida State, Kansas State, Missouri, every place I ever coached. You had those people that just uh, over overboard. And uh, all you can do is just tell them that, look, you can't. I know we had – I mean, I, I hate to, to talk – I mean, half won't mind me talking about it. This, his dad was not a – helicopter pilot he was he was a great guy he's a judge and just loved his son and first day of practice we were kicking and uh judge hines was out there standing there right beside app watching him helping him and everything i said hey judge you know i'm not gonna come into your court man you can't come out here like this so uh, it was pretty funny but he, he was just he just thought it was okay just to walk out there and coach him up but uh uh you you got to you know, some of the worst calls I ever got, though, were on the travel squad when it was pretty obvious that a guy was not going to be on your travel. You know, you couldn't take with so many people. I mean, even they're on scholarship, and these kids get their hopes up and tell their parents they're going and everything, but realistically, they're not. And then they call you on Thursday night and just rip you, man. I mean, just go how much you're breaking breaking the mother's heart and the father's heart because they were planning on going to the game. They weren't even talking about the son going on the trip. They were just worried about themselves. So I said, hey, you can come to the game. They're just not going to play. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Have you ever experienced something like the opposite? So, like, my favorite athlete growing up was Chipper Jones, and it was pretty legendary with him in baseball that even though he had hitting coaches with the Braves, when he got into a slump, he called his dad. And his dad oh, yeah, nothing wrong with that. Anybody. There's nothing wrong with that, but I'm just saying you just can't go out and coach him on the field in front of everybody. I mean, you know, but, uh, oh, I mean, I think it's important to have a good dialogue with the parents. And, you know, we talked, we had a rule every place I've ever been that on Thursday you met with every player on your team for 10 minutes about academic, your, your position group, academics, and also the football-wise because, you know, say a guy's getting red shirted He's not going to the meetings with the regular players, and the coach doesn't seem. But if you set up ten minutes a week, then you're going to say, "Hey, look, this what this is what I've heard about your weight training. You need to do this better about going to class, blah blah blah." But you keep that contact, and then you keep contact with the parents. You know, have an open door policy. I always said, "I like you to call the position coach first, and then if that doesn't work, call me." But uh, hey, you you entrusted yourself to be the coach and they entrust your their son to you there's nothing wrong with talking about it but um, it, it comes to be a point where they got to take reality pill too 
we, we see a lot of that in recruiting sometimes too. You know, we're dealing with the kids and the parents and you get a call from the parent about, you know, why haven't you written about my son this month? I'm like, well, he's a, 2025 kid he's got three more years of high school to go he doesn't have any offers yet <laughs> it's like give, give me a minute <laughs> we, we mentioned him once already because he did well at a camp you know and it's just uh but then hey I, i'm glad the parents are involved because the, the the apathy the other way you know he talked to a kid and he doesn't have any uh, strong role models in the house you know or anybody helping him get to class or anybody helping him get to practice and we've just seen some kids just absolutely miss out because they didn't have the grades or didn't have the support network when they were an absolutely great football player and had a real future but just wasn't there so it's a it, it can be a double-edged sword so there's some really cool team parents around georgia's team right oh, now oh man absolutely uh, keely ringo's mom does so much that goes unrecognized in terms of just like or players, but also just like fellow fans. Like she, she fully bought into the experience of, of Keeley being here and being part of this culture. Uh, that's yeah. been really cool to see. I want Oscar Delp's mom on the recruiting, on the recruiting staff. I really do. <laughs> yes. She's out there working it. She is. She was over here for the, uh, her other son was here at camp. Uh, I guess she's got two other sons there, but she was over there uh, watching him work out. And uh, so what do we got next there, Dane? Yeah, from PA Dog says, Coach, if you were the current offensive coordinator for UGA, what offensive personnel set would you run the most and why? Wishbone. <laughs> With all those tight ends? <laughs> No, I just had to say that. I mean, uh, I never, I never ran the wishbone after I left Oklahoma, except on short yardage, and it was good. But uh, I, I think what we're doing is good. We're very effective. At, we're able to utilize whatever personnel we want to put in. We got a lot of good wide receivers, tight ends, backs, and uh, the flexibility is really enormous. That you can put different packages together. And what I always like, and LSU did a good job was uh, when they won the national championship is trying to not substitute so the defense can't substitute and run as many formations as you can to put pressure on them with the people that are in the game. So if we have two tight ends in the game, run some formations that aren't necessarily tight end oriented, uh, split one of them out. Uh, if you got two backs in the game, let a guy split out like Cook did last year. I mean, these are tough situations on the defensive coaches because they want to sub based on your personnel thinking you're going to run the formations that are are the ones used with that grouping so uh i think munkin does a good job of that for instance in a michigan game he ran a funky play where bowers was a, lined up as a tackle but he was actually eligible because the wide receiver on that side was off the ball so he was the nearest guy on the line of scrimmage and he went in a flat for an easy touchdown and you can do stuff like that when you got that flexibility. I think Bowers, more than anybody, gives you the flexibility to do so much. And then, of course, Gilbert coming up will do the same. Uh, same is true with uh, these different backs. Kenny McIntosh is really good coming out of the backfield, and he can do a lot of things that Cook did. So the answer would be buffet, man. We, we're going to buffet it. We're going to run a lot of everything. Coach, I want to nerd out a little bit for a second with you because I've never asked you this, but I've always been curious your answer. So 28 general manager question or what? <laughs> in a sense, 2018 Joe Burrow is an above average quarterback. He had a okay season, nothing special. 
2019, he comes and has one of the greatest seasons in the history of the sport. And obviously his career has been fantastic since then. How does that happen? Because it seemed close to unprecedented. I think number one system change. They brought in the guy uh, from uh, New Orleans Saints that really came in and gave them uh, a lot of new stuff, uh, particularly the RPOs that they instituted. And then uh, personnel-wise, they, they really enhanced their, their roster uh, offensive line. I mean, you saw how many guys were drafted off that team. So, Plus, the defense was a lot better, too. So uh, I was always impressed with uh, Burrow, even as a junior, the way he was so competitive. And uh, I kind of took a liking to him because I knew his dad when he was a Nebraska coach when I was in Oklahoma. So, But I think influx of new talent, development of the talent on the team, and then the uh, change in system really helped him. Good stuff. Coach knows someone from everywhere. Have you he noticed? That, like, if anyone's played football before, coach is like, "Yeah, when I was at you know, Kansas State, I, their no, uncle was around." No, that's not yeah, true. Take, take them to it. dinner one time and see how many people stop by the table. I just <laughs> drop that when I can. Now, you guys, that's not right. I don't know near many people. As you know, everybody. We're not. Roddy we're not knows local. everybody everywhere uh, in the in the news media, but. Uh, but, but, you know, you do build up some relationships when you coach. And, uh, you know, today's a kind of a sad day for all of us, too, because Mickey Matthews' son, uh, Clayton, who passed away last week, they're having a memorial service for him down mm -hmm. in uh, Myrtle Beach. But uh, uh, I told Mickey, uh, sent him a couple of texts after I talked to him. Clayton was a, a very good athlete. They won a state championship at uh, Oconee High School as a – uh, senior in high school and uh, just unbelievable. And I will never forget the day he was admitted to Shepherd Spine when he had his uh, neck broken. Uh, he was been, had been uh, up in uh, up in uh, Virginia for a couple of weeks, and they got him in the Shepherd and uh, went over to see him. And I was trying to fight back how I was just going to, you know, get something across to him to pep him up and. I go in there and he said, hey, coach, you think you can get me an insider uh, thing for ESPN? I, was, I mean, I said, God, Clayton, you're on top of things, man. You want to start reading uh, the inside stuff for ESPN? And uh, I'm thinking he's going to be laying there worrying about everything. And I'm sure he did. But uh, that just pepped me up to hear Clayton say that. And uh, in his memory, I think all of us should be glad. Uh, this guy for 19 years lived with a broken neck and did everything he could to live every day. And that's what all of us got to do. Whatever you got, do the best with what you got. Amen. Good words there. No way to transition, but I'm going to do it awkwardly anyway. <laughs> Conscious Mind on YouTube is uh, talking about Georgia's production at running back, the returning production being a little bit less than what you normally see that happens when you lose a Zamir White and the James Cook. Uh, so how do you do, how do you kind of retool at running back is, is the question. And I guess I'm going to come up with the second part of that question. Who's the hammer in a fourth quarter in this running back team? It, it's been Zamir White. Who's the hammer to lock down a game and be the closer? Well, first of all, there's it, good news and, and bad news when you lose production. Uh, it's because you uh, guys are going to the pros, but uh, th that's the bad news. The good news is you got some guys that have played and know what to do, and your offensive line, to me, is going to be uh, as good, if not better, than last year with the addition of Rattledge coming back, who was a starter, 
uh, going to compete for that job. And then you got both tackle starters coming back and your center, the apex of your offensive line and all those tight ends blocking. So we, we should have some really good explosive running plays because people are going to be worried about the play action pass and they're not going to be able to support the run like they normally do. I think Branson Robinson, looking at him on the hoof, gives you that kind of power that you're looking for. If he can go on and develop and, and mature enough to play enough like that, certainly Milton can do it too. But uh, I don't know that we would run quite as much hammer stuff at that point. We can, re, you know, we can do a lot of finesse stuff and still keep the ball away from. I know Brock Bowers on the jet sweep is about as good a play as you can run with uh, Washington blocking for him. Also, you got uh, McConkey doing the same thing. So those are glorified, uh, look like trick plays, but they're really power football. So uh, I, I think we'll have all kind of phases of, of the offense next year. Good goal line offense. You still got Carter to put in there on the goal line to be an extra blocker, big big guy that can catch the ball and uh, – it's going to be uh, we're going to be really explosive and really good on offense. I want to see uh, Carter eligible for a pass on the goal line defense. That's just I'm he's asking one, for it. He's one for one. I know. I just I want to see it. Oh, I want to see Marius Mims get redemption from that G day a couple of years ago because <laughs> he didn't give the best effort on that one. Yeah, he's he's a dancing bear. That guy's got great feet. I saw uh, him in I think Walmart the other day. Coach, uh, he's slim. He's slim. Look, look, really? like a, uh, look like an NFL center. I mean, uh, NFL, uh, NBA center. He just, I'm like, wow, he's a tall dude. So, Did you ask him how much you weigh? No, I did not bother him. Were you afraid to or what? <laughs> yeah, no, no, he walked him over to the scale section at Walmart and said, will you just hop on that for me real fast? Yeah. No, I'm pretty sure he was in there with uh, one of Georgia's uh, – I think it was in there with a mentor, and they were doing some shopping, so I didn't want to interrupt him. Uh, yeah, but – I don't want Kirby yell at me. Don't interview my players when they're not when I'm not available. So I tried to stay on the good side of it. He's got a uh, girlfriend that's a volleyball player. She might have been with. Here's a uh, quick comment from uh, YouTube. Uh, Jim Don, this is from JC. He says Jim Donnan is one of my favorite coaches ever at UGA. He did the best with what he had at the time. He said, "Hell, if he had all the support that Kirby has, he could have done a lot more." In my opinion, at UGA. Hell, there's not that many coaches at UGA. That's not high praise. Well, we had. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, we had good support, but uh, certainly it's a little different time frame there as far as, you know, keeping up with the Joneses and keeping up with the Sabans, so to speak. And we've certainly kept up with them and by bypassed them in a lot of ways. But uh, I, I could never say that I didn't uh, lack support here. I had plenty of what we needed. But we, you know, we just started out on uh, on scholarship reduction because we were had a few problems with uh, probation but hard to catch up with uh, florida and tennessee overnight but we we, we tried hard we, we made some progress it was an arms race when you were the head coach it's a civilization building now yeah we were just glad to get weight room going there i mean you know our weight room looked like something to the caveman there when we got there it was bad but uh now, you, had, you had support, but not as much as you could have. Uh, I do want to mention some of our friends that actually support our site and support the uh, this podcast. Our friends at Dead Socks, they will support you too if you are to buy some new socks from them. They're incredibly comfortable. They stay up. Talk about support. They don't slide down your leg. 
if you have big fat calves like me, you look for something like that that doesn't cut off blood flow to your feet, but also manages to not slide down. And you have to constantly bend over and pick up your socks and pull them up your legs. The true, the true state technology that our friends at Dead Socksy have created uh, is it's fantastic. If you look at the reviews, I mean, they got like 600 reviews, 4.9 stars. So that means somewhere somebody gave them a four and a half star, but. Uh, 600 reviews, almost all of them five stars. Highly recommend. Uh, phenomenal, best socks ever. Just, I dig it. Great. The, the go to deadsocks.com, read the reviews. They can't control that. That's they're just they're done by chronological order. So as people put in the uh, uh, recommendations, they pop up, and they are just absolutely inundated with folks who love their socks. And there's a reason. I mean, we tried out their socks before we let them become a sponsor of our show. And we believe in them. Anybody that's ever tried them, anybody that I've given a pair to, uh, they rave about them. So uh, you can try to. Also, if you wanted to have some with your lo company's logo on it, you can do that. They will. The minimum order is like 120 bucks. They're pretty inexpensive. But if you're giving those out, people will wear. That'll become their favorite socks. And every time they put on their favorite socks, they'll see your logo. So kind of smart branding tool there if you uh, got a chance. So hit up our friends at Dead Soxy when you uh, want support, as Coach Donovan was talking about. Dead Soxy was started by a couple of Ole Miss guys, right? Yes, a couple old Miss guys. Uh, they're probably they, still drunk right now. Oh, I can't imagine. title win. Hey, and, and somebody over there uh, in created some, we want arch socks you know, with the uh, Mississippi logo on it. So those are probably collector's items because uh, they didn't do it with Texas logo. So Th Those get sent off to wherever the losing championship shirts go in <laughs> exactly. some country. Yeah. Uh, I also want to mention uh, we get a lot of support from our friends over at Academia Brewing Company, the best brewery in Athens, which is saying a lot considering there are a lot of great breweries around here. Uh, but they always have something new going on right now. They have their uh, sour syllabus up there. Uh, so if you like sours, they've got it. They have a huge comedy show coming. Uh, excuse me. They had a huge comedy show, but they keep doing that repeatedly. And so stay tuned for the next show coming up. Uh, there's constantly things going on there. Uh, you'll notice they've uh, redone some of the outside of the building with these great murals. The uh, today would be a great day to go by and have their uh, have a few beers at their outdoor beer garden. Last last week is too hot. Today the weather's great. Swing by, have a beer or two out there. Got some great food. You'll absolutely love it. Uh, we'll just get a chance uh, uh, hit the like button on their Facebook page. So that way they show up in your feed. The algorithm will let you know when they got new stuff being introduced. There's always new beer. There's always new food. There's always new shows, new uh, live music. They have tons of stuff going on out there. So check out Academia Brewing Company when you get a chance. Roddy, this YouTube question probably goes to you. This is from okay. Thomas Dew. Is Daniel Harris going to commit to Georgia for the 2023 recruiting season? You know, as Denise has said, Georgia, you know, Georgia needed to focus on the 2023 class. Hey, Arch is only one guy. And we had a war room yesterday that we put together for um, the readers of UGAsports.com. Now, a lot of that war room was about the a lot of 2024 guys because we had that underclassman combine in Atlanta that was just absolutely full of the top players. They were going to be rising juniors and uh, rising sophomores. But there was some 2023 nuggets in there, one of which was about Daniel Harris. We said keep an eye on him. We think he's going to commit uh, somewhere soon. And then yesterday evening he announced that July 1st he is going to uh, – uh, make his announcement. I put in a future cast prediction for him to Georgia. I think that's where he's going to go. I don't know this for certain. You can never know any of these for certain, but I do think Daniel Harris, a cornerback, that's a big get. So if you can get Daniel Harris, I think that's gigantic. Uh, uh, 
there's some other guys that are committed. Georgia had a fantastic June. They had uh, four commits in eight days. Uh, July is going to have fireworks too. So uh, keep an eye on Georgia. They're not. Yeah, you missed on Arch, but it's not like he was the only kid they're recruiting. And I know a lot of people. You hate to see a, a five-star quarterback like that go somewhere else, but. Look at what Georgia's getting in the secondary. Look at some of the offensive linemen they're getting. There's some defensive linemen they're committing. So I like Georgia's chances with Daniel Harris. Uh, I like like their chances with uh, God, there's a, the, the big offensive lineman Smith out of uh, Columbus. There's some really big names that are going to be popping here soon, and that Georgia's right in the thick of it. So uh, Dylan Raper, Matt Godwin, uh, Georgia's all the Georgia's coaches that they are on this 2023 recruiting class. So. I wouldn't have, have faith in Kirby as coach says. Yeah, I want to make one report here from the uh, Manning passing camp because uh, I was able to talk to an quote unquote insider that watched all three days and uh, he gave me his unbiased Ooh, scoop, which I feel like is pretty strong. And the guy's a good evaluator. Anyhow, he said that the two best guys, in his opinion, were. Levis from uh, uh, Kentucky and Max Johnson from Texas A&M. He said Bryce Young was up and down. He, you know, he, he looked good at times. And he said he was pleasantly surprised at the pop that uh, Stetson Bennett had. He had no idea that he could throw like that. And uh, said he held his own, and uh, particularly on the longer balls. And uh, so I was glad to hear that from an unbiased guy there at the arch at, at the camp. Uh and it kind of goes in line with some of the stuff we read about, but uh, there wasn't a lot of report about it. I saw one pass where Stetson overthrew a guy, but you never know who you're throwing to down there. They don't have any, they don't have any college. Coach, he can't overthrow anybody. Remember, he has that pop gun arm. He can't get it down the field. Well, he, that's true, but but I'm saying they just have you know high school receivers, no college. They did do a lot of drills and stuff, but uh, it gets you an idea about how you compare to the rest. Of the, and he said a real sleeper would be the uh, Purdue quarterback. He thought he was a really good player. Uh, I don't know the guy's name, but, you know, Jeff Brom, the Purdue coach, has always been good when he was at Louisville and at Florida Atlantic. Wherever he's been, he's always produced good quarterbacks. So let, let's keep an eye out for him. But I thought it was good to hear that Stetson was among the better quarterbacks there. Aiden O'Connell, Purdue's quarterback. Good. That's, that's what you, I watch for him. Uh, Roddy, if you have any questions from uh, yeah. your outlets, we can get there. I can play, Coach. I kind of want to do our our game where I just throw players' names at you and get you a quick fifteen seconds. But this yeah. time, it's going to be all true freshmen. And so, if you can kind of give any indication, if you think how big of a role could they potentially play, and I know as things settle out, you never know. Uh, but that's, it, let's, that's not fair, man. I, uh, <laughs> I don't even know some of those guys' numbers yet. But, uh, I will. I'll help you out. Uh, let's start with defensive back number six, Dalen Everett. Oh, I know Dalen Everett. I can. Tell you. <laughs> uh, I thought you were talking about guys that just got here. Dalen Everett. I'm. I'm strong on him. I feel like he's going to be get a lot of playing time. Be big on special teams. He's going to fight for a, a top four position in our uh, defensive backs. So being here like he was in the spring, uh, this guy's going to be. He's going to be a player for Georgia. I mean. Uh, he, He's as close to a can't-miss corner as you want down the road. He might not be ready now, but fired up about him. I'll give him a whatever kind of best rating we can give. 
a fellow North Carolinian that you talk about almost every week, number 11, linebacker Jalen Walker. Jalen is another guy that I, I know personally, but uh, also watched him out there. He's going to he's gonna be in our two deep uh, just because of the lack of depth that we got based on the people that we had graduate. Not that we don't have depth, but I look for him to get out there and really be a significant role and also – being every down type guy that can play the run and the pass, uh, be great on special teams. The first three you gave me, they, they're going to be impact freshman for us. Uh, what about Malachi Starks, number 24? I think Malachi's got the potential. I mean, he's learning, you know, the safety's a tough position. And he got so many calls and, you know, he was a played quarterback and safety in high school. He didn't, you know, have but maybe one call in high school. You got all these checks, uh, he, he's got a chance to be get some time this year, but down the road, he's got too much athleticism not to be really good for us. I'll finish with a pair of receivers, number 18, C.J. Smith. Well, he's got to smoke. I mean, he can really run. He's just got to refine his routes. Uh, I think he's going to help us down the road. Probably not a lot this year. And number 23, wide receiver, Denylon Morissette. I was really impressed with him all spring. Uh, he took advantage of some of the guys not being out there sometime, and uh, I don't know that he'll be able to get in a lot of reps in the fall, but uh, he made he made you know what he was capable of when he got in there. He, he's a very adept at running routes. He's quick off the ball. He can separate. He can get away from bump coverage. Um, he's a player. You start looking at the receivers at Georgia, and there's just a volume of good football players. I mean, it's going to be hard to sneak in – and take playing time for some of those other guys. Yeah, I mean, you look at how Blaylock came back, how Kiaris came back, and then we all know about Mitchell and and uh, I saw where uh, eighty one tweet tweeted out yesterday about this starting his third year. Rosemary Saints, he's another yeah. guy that's just steady, really good player. Uh, we're good at receiver, and uh, I think having B Mac in here gives you new lease on life for some of those guys and. Uh, you know, freshman-wise, and that's not even talking about Arian Smith, the human bullet. Uh, he, he'll be a big target for Stetson. It'd be hard to overthrow that guy. I mean, he, he can smoke it, man. Hi, Coach. I got a bunch of questions for you. A lot of them were about the whole uh, Arch Manning stuff and quarterbacks. Uh, big Sky said, how did we miss on Arch Manning? We think we covered that. Uh, Riley says, does Georgia take a quarterback in this class? I think we covered that as well. Um I did like this question from uh, CCUGA. He says, if Georgia makes the playoff as I expect them to, who else will be there? Yeah, I mean, you just don't know how things will play out in the SEC, whether you can get two teams or not. That, that, you know, Alabama's preseason number one, so we would have to knock them off. And it's just a question of whether they could, by that, knock them off. The fact that they're preseason number one doesn't mean that I think they are. But yeah. uh, It'd be hard to have two SEC teams in there. But I think Ohio State, Clemson are going to be right there. Uh, you know, uh, I don't see West Coast team uh, like, you know, we haven't seen any West Coast team. So, uh, you know, last year we had Michigan in there. I don't think they'll be near as good. So Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, those are the teams I, I, I see as a top four. Oklahoma is usually in the mix. They have Oklahoma this route. year not going to be in the mix. I want them to go on and pray for them. That all you people <laughs> out there tonight pray for the Sooners. I think they're going to have a hard year. What about a team like Miami? You talking about the Dolphins? 
<laughs> sure. <laughs> no. No, I'm just saying, like, when you look, the ACC typically not, not the uh, hardest. I think they got too many, too many holes. I mean, certainly they made a monstrous pledge to uh, do a lot of stuff there. All this, you know, $9 million for Cristobal. Uh, brought in some big name coaches. Uh, they just got to start keeping the players and, uh, you know, in the Florida area down there. Uh, they got that quarterback yesterday uh, from the West Coast, which is a big haul for them. Uh, they beat Florida on them. I'd, I'd rather them go to Miami than Florida, that's for sure. Well, I guess my point in this, Coach, is when you say Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, you're totally right. But when you start looking at other teams beyond that, it's almost hard to imagine some teams getting in there, but someone will. There's always a team that sneaks in there like this year is Michigan that you don't think is going to wind up there. True, true. I mean, it's just too many things out there. I mean, people people bragging about A&M. I mean, they lost four games last year. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't see Notre, anybody, Notre I don't Dame see. will be in the mix. They always are, and then they'll lose by 40. Always Notre Dame. Here's the thing about Notre Dame. Uh, this this guy Freeman is an excellent recruiter. His first year head coach. You know he's going to make some. Uh, you know he's you always make some uh, decisions that you look back on that aren't the right ones. Uh, I, I just don't see Notre Dame being a, in in the mix. They could be, but in my opinion, there won't be. Hey, coach, here's a question from Dog in France, our buddy out in France. We appreciate that. Um, we need to find out where what's part of France dog in France is that he says, coach, what is Mike Bobo doing for the staff? And could he have the same impact on Georgia? The Will Muschamp did. Well, at this point, Mike is, they're trying to decide what uh, he's going to do as far as, you know, position wise, because we got so many quarterback people uh, helping out there with uh, Buster Faulkner and uh, Van Gorder and, uh, you know, several guys helping Coach Munkins and uh, BMAC as the receivers. And then uh, Mike's got an existing rela- relationship. He's an offensive analyst. Yeah. Uh, I think it'll be hard to have the impact Will did because Will got on the field right away. You know, right. Uh, I don't see Mike getting on the field this year like Will did. And that, that had a big impact. He was able to take over the safety position. And he's also able to uh, implement the special teams knowledge that he had, too as a full-time coach and get right on the road recruiting big in the recruitment of Singletary and uh, Humphreys, uh, Malachi Starks. I mean, he was on all those guys. And it's a lot easier to recruit somebody if you can go in their home and visit them as compared to just talking to them on official visit and calling them. And I know Buster Faulkner would have liked to have done more of that, but he's not one of the 10. He was able to do that last year when uh, Coach – uh, Lanning left Kirby smartly. Uh, his name is Coach Smart, but I said smartly as an adverb. Uh, put him on the road uh, to take Lanning's place, and he spent a lot of time down there with Arch and built a good relationship when it was when you could visit with him. So, but I, I don't see. I, I mean, Mike will make a big imprint, but and he'll be good to throw things over against the wall and say, "Hey, look, this is what do you think it is," and he'll look at it and all, but be hard to have the imprint must champ at because he got on the field. I know you said Mike Bobo's got a pretty good arm for practice as he would. How's Kirby's arm tossing those balls to defensive backs? Kirby's a lot better than I thought he was. Uh, uh, when I first saw him throwing out there when he's a running back coach here and whatever year that was, 2008, Five? whatever it was, 
I was impressed. He can throw. I mean, he's not a problem throwing the ball. Some of these guys are a problem, but he, he, he's got a pretty good arm. Speaking of Kirby Smart, we get this question from 21 Dogs. He says, Coach, what do you think is the holdup of Kirby Smart's contract? Fort Knox. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was a good one. Uh, we can so end the show right there. Go, go bullion. No, I, think, I just think it's just the announcement. They're just picking the time. I mean, I, I don't see any holdup. I don't see any issues with uh, – if you if there were any issues, there'd be some rumors among the alumni that would have said something, or among the coaches and all. I think it's just a case of just releasing it to the public. I mean, he's yeah. he's he's in good shape on that, as far as I know. Jimmy Sexton's just got to pick which account it goes to. That's all. Yeah, there was um, we were speaking to a young uh, recruit the other day. He said that. Uh, Kirby Smart was telling him, I'm about to sign a big, long contract. I'm going to be here a long time. Right. There's the stability at Georgia. So Kirby's using his contract as a uh, recruiting uh, he point should. of pride. He should. So, yeah. he should. Good move. So that was a good one. I like that one. Um, speaking of other coaches, and uh, this is from Mama Montgomery. So I'm assuming Mama. Mama Montgomery. She says, how much longer do you think Nick Saban will be coaching? You know, I think Nick is just one of these lifetime guys like Joe Pa. I mean, he just loves coaching. Uh, his kids are gone, you know. He's uh, He loves the, the chase every year, and he's uh, just – I think he just turned 70. Uh, I'd be surprised unless all of a sudden things turn the other way and they're not doing like they have been and competing for the big prize. I, I could see him going on, you know, indefinitely. Yeah, I don't see him retiring ever. I mean, me. they're going to get – just like we said, people that watch the first of the show, the rich are going to get richer on the talent. I mean, the NIL, the transfer portal, all that. I mean, and you got a roster built up like Alabama's got and we got. I mean, I just don't see him being deplenished any. Speaking Coach, of, do, you, do you remember the first time you ever heard of Nick Saban? Me? Yeah. When? He was playing defensive back for the for – the, uh, Kent State Cyclones in 1971 when they played the NC State Wolfpack. I was a freshman right. coach, and I was, Nick was playing in the secondary, and uh, they came in to, to uh, play in Carter-Finley Stadium. That's the first time I, I saw him on the scouting report, Nick Saban, from uh, where he was in West Virginia. <laughs> coach knows everybody. <laughs> I don't – I mean, that's, you asked me that one. I got it right. But. Uh, speak, you mentioned NIL, and this question comes from a dog stomp. He says, is the is the NIL laws a case of good intentions gone wrong? This will hurt parity instead of uh, – will this help parity instead of helping it? Or hurt, will it hurt parity instead of helping it? And what can be done? So basically, was the whole NIL thing a situation where they had good intentions but it all went to hell? Yeah, I think the intention were to, to protect the players and give them a chance to make some money on their name, image, and likeness. But they had no idea it was going to be proliferate like this and have so many uh, ways to do it. You know, I mean, people were talking about, hey, sell your jersey, uh, sign autographs, all that. Now, all of a sudden, they're getting all these uh, endorsements that are just unreal. And then they're getting these collectives where uh, people are paying money in there to, to give to the to these collectives so they can get the players more money. So 
I think it's just uh, as far as parity, you're not going to see parity over NIL. I mean, the big schools are going to have it and the little ones aren't. There's just not going to be any parity. It's going to be the ones that got it and the ones that don't. There hasn't been much parity anyway, and I think with the transfer portal in particular, that's what's going to hurt parity even more. Exactly. No question. Uh, last question comes from Run the Damn Ball. Great handle. I appreciate that. Says, Coach, what is the latest on Brock Vandegrift? Well, Brock looks good. I mean, he had a great spring. Uh, he's really worked hard. He knows the offense. And uh, I think fall camp's going to be really big for him and Beck. Well, I mean, whichever one can, you know, Beck's got the upper hand based on being around, but both of them are going to get a really good shot to be the number two quarterback. They're going to get a chance to run with the number one some to see how they do. And uh, he's a very talented quarterback with a good uh, lineage there coming from a, his dad, taught him what to do. And uh, what are you doing? Showing us some groceries there? Yeah, I'm just showing. I, I don't want just. I don't want y'all to see me eat. <laughs> well, I'm sure you're going to eat a lot because your wife's over in Israel. But uh, <laughs> yes. uh, we're going to. Uh, but Brock Vandergriff, I, I, I'm high on him. I'm a lot higher on him now. I was always high on him, but seeing the way he competed all fall as a scout team quarterback showed me what 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 he was built about because that's tough when you don't have a lot of blocking, you're running other teams' plays, you're getting knocked around. He showed me a lot. I think he's going to really develop from that. I'm going to sneak a tennis question in for you, Coach. Can an American man make the final at Wimbledon? It's a really open draw because so many players have been out. Maybe in mixed doubles. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> I just don't see it. I mean, you know, that, that some of those guys dropping out, you never know. COVID's hitting over there. But Barantini's out already. And, Barantini and Chilich uh, both out this morning. Yeah, that's, um, that's good for Nadal. Uh, they're in his half. Uh, it's also good for Sipitas. But I hope we can see a Djokovic-Nadal uh, final. That'd be great. But when I was, I was watching a little bit before uh, it started, and and the doll was uh, won the first set. I don't know how, how did he win yet? Or? Uh, it looks like that he won his second set, but dropped the third, and they're just now going to a fourth. If I'm that guy's that. tough. Anytime you play guys from Argentina, those guys can hit the ball all day. I mean, that's the way they train. They just they go out there and hit the same ball 950 times, and then they switch balls. I mean. Uh, Everybody remembers Guillermo Vias growing up. Mm -hmm. He was just so steady. This guy, even though the courts are fast, this guy he's playing is tough. Felix Ajay Aliassim dropped the second set, and I think he's one of the top four favorites right now. Yeah, he he looks like Tarzan and plays like Jane, though. I mean, he plays a lot of good warm-up games, but he never can close. I mean, I, I wouldn't bet on him. Roddy, your your Wimbledon thoughts, Roddy? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch over to the Braves if y'all gonna start talking tennis. <laughs> hey, coach and I nerd out on tennis now. I know, but we're gonna talk Braves it. next time. Braves are tough. Braves are tough, but all right. Well, hey, we'll see you next week. Hi right, guys, I appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, big shout out to our podcast sponsors, Athens Ford, Gurpai, Academia, and Dead Soxies. Please visit our sponsors. Let them know that you uh, heard about them on the show and hit that like button and subscribe button. And we will see you next Tuesday at noon as the, the Bulldogs take the week off and the coaches get some rest. We'll see you next week.